another episode of the Beulah Girl podcast. For links, related resources, and even more encouragement, visit BeulahGirl.com. Hi, friend. Thanks so much for tuning in. This is the Beulah Girl podcast, and I'm Carol Whitaker, your host. If you're not familiar with our podcast, we are an almost weekly podcast coming out of BeulahGirl.com. We are a Christian site devoted to helping women find their identity in Christ, and we do a few episodes per month. Not every week, but almost weekly. Um, Last month, we did a series on finding hope in the midst of disappointing circumstances. And this month, we are starting with this episode, a brand new series of episodes on calling and being true to the calling God has given you. In this particular episode, I want to focus on not hiding, uh, being bold in the purpose God has given you. Oftentimes we can want to just kind of tone ourselves down, slink away from the assignment God has given us. And we'll be discussing in this episode, not hiding and just being bold in who God has called us to be. I don't know about you, but I've had this situation, I think, come up quite a bit in, in my life in that I am part of a women's group right now. I meet once once a week with a group at church and I've been part of other groups in the past. And in these particular groups, I've often had the experience where we will be discussing a particular topic and I'll have a personal story from my past or maybe an example of what God's currently doing in my life come to mind And I'll be very hesitant to share. And sometimes I just won't share with the other ladies because I am fearful of what their reaction may be to what I share. Maybe there's a dark part of my story that I feel like if I share it, that people are going to look as, you know, horrified at me because of details I bring up from my past, or maybe you know, I'm hesitant to share because I am not sure that others will have the same view of what God's doing in my life or receive well what I'm saying. You know, I tend to be sort of, I don't really feel like I'm a radical person, but sometimes when I'm talking to other people, I I feel like some of the ideas I share, people look at me like I'm absolutely crazy. And some of the things God has asked me to do have been, they have been pretty, pretty radical. And so in an effort often to blend in, I will tone down my comments. I'll just not say what I'm really wanting to say. Um, And often it feels safer just to hide. So maybe you too can relate where, you know, you hide parts of your story, may hide you know, the fact that you're a Christian or some of your ideas around maybe unbelievers that you work with or some of your unbelieving neighbors, whatever it is, of course, we need to use wisdom in our speech. We should think about what words are exiting our mouths and we should delete some words before they ever make it out. We should edit some of our thoughts. We shouldn't just say whatever we're thinking and we also should be careful about and wise about our actions and 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 
you know, what we declare and do around people. There were times that Jesus wasn't as public about his ministry because he knew that he would be um, catching the attention of the authorities. So he was a little more secretive in some instances. Yet there are certain situations where we should speak out. We know we, we know we should speak out. We know it would help others. Um, and yet we're hesitant because we want to be a little more socially acceptable or whatever it is. And so I think it's really important in to look at the example of Jesus and how he's really the ultimate example in his ministry of someone who was very bold and secure in his identity and he never compromised who he was to fit in or be more likable to those around him. I want to just read from John 8, 12, and he says this, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now I'm reading to you from John 8, 12, but if you really look at John 7, chapter 7 and 8, there are just a host of statements Jesus makes about his identity that would have been very bold for his his audience. And we may read them a statement like in John 8, 12 or some of the other statements he makes in John 7 earlier. And, and we may not, they may not really seem that bold to us or seem that profound to us that he would be open about saying what he did because we're pretty comfortable with the idea that Jesus is the light of the world. You know, we, I, you know, we've, um, if we're a believer, we've come to accept him. We know that this is something that Jesus would have said that did say about himself. But for listeners of his day, these, these, this was pretty bold what he said. And I want to just explain that why Jesus spoke these words either during or right after the festival of tabernacles. And this was a festival which commemorated God's deliverance and provision when Israel was in the wilderness. So during the festival, there would be certain ceremonies that would celebrate God providing for his people, um, God delivering his people guiding his people. And in particular, there was a lamp lighting ceremony that took place every night in during the festival in which these large lamps in the court of women were lit. And these this, this lamp lighting would remind the people of when they were in the desert and they were led by God um, by a pillar of fire. And this pillar of fire directed their path. And so these lamps would remind them. And Jesus stands up and says... I am the light of the world. So he's pointing to himself as being a light. Um, again, drawing on that image of God leading them with a pillar of fire. He's identifying himself as a pillar of fire and really revealing himself as a Messiah. And even before this, if we look at chapter seven, Jesus also identifies himself as living water in John seven thirty seven. Again, he uses an image, a connection to the festival where there would be a ceremony, again, celebrating God's provision of water in, in the wilderness where these priests would dip into this pool and they would, you know, take this water and pour it on the altar and remind the people of God's provision of water. And so Jesus, again, 
even before this is saying, I am the living water. Again, drawing on self that God was the source, the one who provided for his people in the desert. And Jesus is saying, I'm essentially God. I am the source of living water using this, this image of water. And then, um, after that being a light. And so with all of these statements that Jesus is saying, he's essentially saying, I'm the Messiah. I am God. And immediately after claiming to be the light of the world, the Pharisees who were hanging around challenged his claim. And Jesus did not take the easy road with them. He engaged with them. He maintained his stance. He didn't back down. And he even says to them, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid for I know where I come from and where I'm going. I stand with the father who sent me very secure, right? And who he is. And even right after, um, he engages in this whole, uh, series of, I guess you could say arguments or discussions, a debate with the Pharisees. He concludes his statements by saying before Abraham was born, I am. And then he slips away into the crowd. But all of these statements, light being the light of the world, being living water, being the I am, particularly with the I am, that was a word that was used or a statement that was used concerning God. And so with all of these, he's essentially standing up and saying, I'm the Messiah. Here I am. Come and believe in me. And you can imagine if you were someone in the crowd, this would have been pretty, you know, bold. Someone just stands up and says, I'm God. Come follow me. He, you know, connects himself to name a name that was used for God. Um, and then also connects to himself as the source, as far as living water, as being a light. Um, all of these things would have been pretty profound, but, you know, even leading up to these statements that Jesus makes, he had performed miracles. Everything that Jesus did pointed to who he was. He didn't hide his identity. And so when we're looking at this particular section of scripture and his announcement that he's alive, the world and these other statements he makes, there are several things. And as he's being challenged um, by the Pharisees, we can learn a few things from this bold proclamation of his identity. And the first thing we can take away is we should never hide who God has called us to be. God has chosen us for different callings, but the ways he uses us can often be unusual. And we may try to, again, tone down, dilute our purposes and the giftings he has given us around those who may stare at us, may call us strange. However, Jesus, he never did this. He was secure enough in who he was that he didn't need to have the approval of others to feel good about himself. And he knew that in order to the father's will, he needed to walk in that um, identity and purpose and not hide that. And we must do the same. And this week, this idea, I think, was highlighted in a very poignant way for me. My daughter, my oldest daughter, is involved in a lot of different activities. But she recently, about a month ago, joined chorus for the first time. Now, she's done some singing for church. Um, but she's never actually been in an actual school chorus. And so she joined chorus 
And she has a great voice. Um, she has a beautiful voice. She hasn't sung much again in, in like an actual structured setting, but she has a really beautiful voice and they had some solo opportunities. And she told me a week or so ago that she wanted to try out for one of these solos. And so I said, you know, go for it. That's great. Well, the other day she came home off the bus crying and I asked her what was wrong. And she said, mom, I just can't do it. I, I'm just too afraid. I can't try out for this solo. She had been talking about it up to that point. She had been excited about it. And all of a sudden there was a change of heart. She said, I just thought about it and I'm just too afraid. I'm not going to do it. And as her mom, and as somebody who has struggled greatly with fear and fear has prevented me in many situations from doing what I need to, to, to do, what I should have done and has made me, I think, um, hesitant to do God's will. Fear has held me back. I was kind of devastated as her mom to hear her saying that because I know she has a beautiful voice and I know that Others would be blessed in listening to her. But, you know, I would be devastated if fear held her back. And I told her, I said, Elspeth, I said, you know, you don't have to do this solo if you don't want to. I'm going to leave that choice up to you. I said, maybe you're just not ready for it yet because you just joined choir. But I said, don't ever let fear prevent you from doing what what you want to do, what God has called you, what God has gifted you with, because there will always be things in your life that you're afraid of. And it's normal to have to do things that are, that are scary. And you're going to feel so much better if you just go ahead and do those scary things and you can pray and ask for God's help to get through those. And I said, but don't ever, you know, don't hide who you are, what God has gifted you with just because of fear. And I just thought, you know, as I was giving her this advice, I just was sad because um, I know that, again, there have been times where I've held myself back because of fear and that I haven't done what I could have done in the moment. And how many of you listening, you know, you might have somebody who has told you don't do this or you may have held yourself back. But what we see from Jesus is that he was bold in his identity. He didn't hide. And we we must do the same. When God has called us to a certain area, sometimes it's going to be extremely difficult and there's going to be great opposition and our temptation is going to be to hide. But what a tragedy. Like it it would be for my daughter if she never shared her voice with other people because of fear. And I'm going to tell you that story did not end in a sad way. My daughter actually came home the next day with a big smile on her face. And she said, mom, I did it. And I knew exactly what she was talking about. And she said, mom, I just went ahead and did it. And I sang the solo in front of my whole class. And she just went ahead and, and sh she thought about it. She changed her mind. And I said, well, were you afraid? And she was like, yeah, but I did it anyway. And she felt so good about herself. And I was so proud of her. And I said, you know, even if you don't ever get that solo, I said, I am so proud of you because you did what you were afraid to do. And, you know, it could have been anything else. It could have not just that it was a solo and I love music and I'm proud of her because of that. Um, I, I would have been equally as proud if she took a test she was afraid of or if she 
you know, went and played lacrosse and when she was scared to be in the game or, or whatever it was, the fact that she did something she was afraid of. And I was reading something on Ann Voskamp's um, blog this week and I wanted to share it with you. It, and she, she was talking about this idea of not hiding. And she says, you are not too much. You do not have to disappear. This can change all the things beating loud in your heart to feel the truth of this. Don't take it down a few notches. Take risk and take all of you to the table. It can feel terrifying, but it is far more terrifying to live anything less than being fully seen so his work can be fully seen in you. And that's Ann Voskamp on her blog. I'll leave the link for you if you want to look up her article. The second point I want to bring up in relation to Jesus openly declaring, I'm alive the world and declaring he was the Messiah is we must be prepared for opposition. When Jesus went to the festival and was standing up declaring he was the living water and even in this instance, whether it was right after the festival or during, it's not really clear when he says, I'm the light of the world, he knew that the Pharisees were gonna be there. He knew that there were gonna be crowds and he knew that not everybody was gonna get what he was saying. And again, when he was challenged, on the statements he was making, he didn't run and he wasn't just pulling out some answers that he made up that made no sense. He answered back. They were challenging him with the law and he answered back with the law. And when we are walking our calling, we are going to be challenged and we need to be able to answer to our challengers with truth from God's word and be able to explain and be able to defend what God has called us to, what God's doing, and be able to back up our actions with certain scriptures. We're not always gonna know in advance what people will say or how to respond to every situation. We do have the Holy Spirit to help us, but we can prepare ourselves for opposition by knowing God's word and knowing um, a little bit about the different people groups we may encounter, the different religious beliefs that are out there, different you know types of people that we may encounter. First Peter three fifteen and sixteen says, "Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience." so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. So Jesus here with the Pharisees, he answered back very clearly. He gave them the opportunity to come and receive him as their savior if they wanted to, but he wasn't pandering in any way to their opinions. He wasn't trying to change his comments to get in their good graces. I mean, he told them very clearly the reason that they could not accept his words, which we'll get to in a minute, and that's because they weren't um, following God. They were, their father was a devil. And I mean, he was very clear on that, but he didn't say that in a malicious way, but in a way to help them to know that they needed to follow him. And similarly, you know, when we're encountering our opposition, the temptation may be to just delete certain truths or not say them because 
we, you know, they might be offensive, but, we, you know, in a, in a gentle, clear way, we need to, we need to answer back and be able to, you know, correct, um, the wrong, you know, the wrong views of scripture or whatever are coming at us. Cause a lot of times people will actually use scripture in their arguments, but they won't have an understanding of it. And so we can use Jesus's example here of being prepared for opposition. Last point that we can draw from this is we need to rely on God's view of us. It's easy to look at a passage of scripture such as this where we see Jesus being questioned and forget, not really put ourselves in his shoes and not really know how stressful, how difficult this constant opposition must have been. When Jesus said the statements, you know, I'm the light of the world, and they immediately pounced on him and they said, you know, your testimony isn't even valid and... I mean, this wasn't the first statement Jesus had made. I mean, he had he had also been standing up making statements at the festival um, that we see in, in chapter 7. And even right before the statement about being the light of the world, um, he had the whole interchange with the Pharisees concerning the woman caught in adultery. I mean, Jesus was being attacked and he was being questioned and people were saying things about him on numerous occasions leading up to this passage where he says, I am the light of the world. And this would have been extremely stressful to have this kind of opposition. Um, He was accused of being demon-possessed, of working in Satan's power, And how did Jesus get through this opposition? Well, he never forgot the one who had sent him or his purpose. We too must always rest on this foundation or else we will get easily discouraged. If we notice what Jesus says in response when they say, well, your testimony, you know, immediately after claiming to be the lie of the world, the Pharisees say, well, you know, your testimony isn't even valid. And He says to them, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid because they were saying, you know, where's your witnesses? It says, for I know where I come from and where I am going. I stand with the father who sent me. That's John 8, 14 and 16. And so he's basically, I mean, he's just very firmly resting on God's view of him. He's saying, I stand with the father. I know where I come from. And similarly, when we're challenged in our calling, we've got to always be able to draw back, okay, what has God asked us to do? What, you know, what is God's view of us? Are we working in his will? Because if we are, then he's pleased with what we're doing. And we have to constantly remind ourselves of this which it'd be easy to forget when people are disagreeing with the gospel message, they're questioning our calling, telling us we don't have to, you know, have what it takes. We have to have this foundation that we can continually draw and saying, I'm here because God sent me because God wants me to do this work. And because he has called me to do this. Now, when I'm saying that we need to walk boldly and be our, you know, be who God's made us to be, I do want to clarify something. 
To be ourselves and not hide who we are is to boldly walk in the calling God has placed in our lives. But this isn't a justification to act in sinful ways and do whatever we want. So, you know, you will hear people say in our society, they'll defend bad behavior or sinful choices. And they'll say, this is who I am. This is just who I am. Or I'm just being me. But they're defending behavior that is harmful to themselves and others If we're talking about a calling in biblical terms, it's going to be that which has been initiated by God. And because it's been given by God, it is going to be sustained by God. That person has to be walking with God to be able to continue in that calling. And it is not going to go against the principles of the Bible. Even, you know, sometimes you might hear someone in the church say, well, God's called me to this. And they may have never heard anything from God in the matter. They may not have sought God in the matter and they may just be doing something that they want to do and say, well, I'm called to do this because, you know, I want to do this basically. And it may be something that is questionable that goes against certain principles. And so in those cases, you know, is that really a calling from God? Well, no, it has to be given, initiated by God. It's sustained by God and it doesn't go against biblical principles. So, We have to be mindful of that. However, I think it's really important to look at why the Pharisees could not accept who Jesus was. Jesus tells them they could not recognize him because they did not belong to God, but rather their father was the devil. And so the next time that we're being opposed, one thing to look at is, you know, a lot of times we are going to be opposed, especially in the case of unbelievers, because they're not walking with God. They don't know God. So whatever we say about a calling from God is going to be foreign to them. It's going to look weird to them. And similarly, you may be in a situation where you're not being opposed by unbelievers. You may be um, opposed by believers or people who call themselves believers. And in those scenarios, a lot of times I think it boils down to two things. They um, they may say they're believers, but they're not really walking with God in a relationship. Um, and, and honestly, they may not really be true believers. Um, they may not be in the word or, uh, be reading the word, or they may be walking with God, but they may be new in the faith, or they may have not encountered certain scriptures that would make sense. Some of your actions, Um, And in all those cases, the Bible tells us to be patient, understanding, whether they're new believers, whether they're just believers who just don't see eye to eye with us on how we're doing, you know, what we're doing as far as a calling God has given us. Um, If God has given us our calling, we can be confident and boldly proclaim our identity, our purpose. Whether with unbelievers or fellow believers, we do need to boldly live out who we are and declare what God is doing in our lives, confident that we are following the example of Jesus who never tried to change or cover up who he was in order to fit in better in his community. Jesus always did the Father's will, even if it meant making people mad or inciting the hatred of others. As Christ followers, we must be the same. I want you to continue on with me as we cover this series, um, going through just being true to our call. And if you're somebody who, you know, you're hiding, 
I hope this is an encouragement to you to boldly walk in the call God has given you to not let fear hold you back or anything else, doubt or the opinions of others. And, you know, today's a fresh start. If uh, you are, you can think back on instances where you haven't been as bold. You can ask God to reset your steps, to forgive you. Perhaps you, you just stubbornly resisted those opportunities to be bold and know that, you know, that Jesus lived perfectly, that Jesus did it perfectly, but that we're covered in grace and that he helps us do imperfectly what he did perfectly. Let's go ahead and pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for your word, which instructs us and and helps us to know how we should, how we should minister, how we should do this thing called Christianity, how we should boldly declare who we are and who you called us to be and point others to you through our ministry, whatever that looks like, whether that, that looks like an actual ministry with a capital M in a church, or if it looks like something on a, a smaller, quieter scale, maybe just in our home or serving others in a, in a quieter capacity. Lord, help us to seize on those opportunities where we can share you with others, where we can declare what you're doing in our lives, where we can be bold about what you called us to be and not be sidetracked, not be derailed by opposition, by people who tell us we're doing it wrong, by people who tell us that we aren't truly called by God. Help us to always point, be able to look to you as the source um, of our strength, to get through those discouraging times and always be able to point back to your word as the basis for what we do and the basis of of what we say and be able to point to your view of us over anyone else's when challenges come. In Jesus' name, amen.